bags in 100 years. The shit house gift you think will be insightful, clever, or just well researched. We're here to say that's not the case. We'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one cup. Hello, and welcome to Two Guys, One Cup Summer Edition. My name is Charlie Clawson, and this series is my club, the final my club. Will there be a season two? Who knows? Uh, but we go out on a strong note because I have found my unicorn. That's right. I've actually found a Gold Coast supporter in the wild who is willing to come on the show. He's actor Josh McConville. I mean, you'd know him from everything. He's been in a ton of Aussie movies and TV. If you're an AFL fan, you might have seen him in the movie The Merger. Um, Josh didn't grow up with the AFL. He grew up in Queensland uh, following the Brisbane Broncos. But a lot of his mates followed AFL and he decided when he was going to pick a team, it wasn't going to be the Lions, it would be the Suns. So this is a really interesting chat because uh, you just find out what brings Josh back to the game and, and, and what keeps him involved knowing that there's so much pain to come. And it might just have to do with a little kid from the Gold Coast called Matt Rowell. Anyway, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Josh McConville. Josh, so great to have you on the show. This has been a long time coming. I feel like if I'd tried to get the autograph of J.D. Salinger, it would have been less difficult than trying to track down an actual in-the-wild Sun supporter. So thank you so much uh, for doing the show. I saved the best till last. Um, now, I have to just open with this question, and I think a lot of people who listen to this show will have the same one, which is, why? <laughs> why not? Um Look, I was a I was a, a rugby league supporter actually. Um, I followed the Brisbane Broncos. I was born in Brisbane, but I grew up on the Gold Coast. I've never followed a Gold Coast team because they always fall mm. um, and fail. And I mean, every team, what the Seagulls, the the Titans, the Chargers, <laughs> Titans are still there. Are they? I just I yeah, just assumed they fall. <laughs> but even like Gold Coast United with soccer. Um, anyway, so. When I moved to Sydney, all my friends in Sydney followed AFL and I sort of got into it that way. And I sort of didn't really have a soft spot for the Lions. Mm. Um, and then the Gold Coast Suns came on board and I jumped on. Was there any uh, was there any particular thing other than the fact that you are from the Gold Coast? Was it was there something about, you know, wanting to be anti the big boys in Queensland, like a bit of a fuck you to the Lions? <laughs> Not, 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 not overly. No, it's more about yeah, basically because I grew up on the Gold Coast, and uh, there's something about being a foundation supporter too, which I think is quite appealing. Yeah, being being there from the beginning. Um, yeah, that really stood out to me. And so you said it was your mates who followed AFL. So did you get into it through them? Did you start going to games or watching games with them? Yeah, it's actually AFL fantasy. I got got, got right into that. So right. I got right into the stats. Um, like CBAs, uh, tackles, handballs, um, players, and uh, salary caps. So it was, it was sort of that that got me watching every game and um, really following particular players. Um, but I didn't actually have a team. So, yeah, I guess it was my friends and AFL Fantasy. I'd say. Yeah. And I suppose getting in on the ground floor, like you're saying, it, it makes sense for someone who's new to the game you can sort of help be part of that club's kind of mythology. You know, like if you are jumping sure. on board an establishment team, 
um, sorry, a foundation team, like there's 130 years of history that you've got to catch up on. Whereas, you know, you and the sons are kind of learning, learning the game together. How deep into um, sort of like AFL mythology or, or, you know, legends of the game did you, did you delve? Was there any kind of temptation to go to one of more of the established teams? No. Never. No, I liked, I liked, I think that was always my upbringing. I like, uh, like I went to a new school. I sort of, um, I was a foundation student in the school and I like starting from the beginning and going through that journey and creating that mythology for myself rather than entering it, I guess is what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and so no, not really. There was a, there's always a risk, you know, you pick a team, you know, they're going to be shit for a long time. Mm. So the rewards won't come instantly, but so I, I did think about jumping on the Swans, but fuck, everyone supports the Swans. So no, it was, <laughs> I was no say. one supports the Suns. So you know, when it's we a, win, I'll be the only one cheering. It, it's it's a cl- it's a cliche, isn't it? An actor in Sydney who follows the Swans. I mean, they're they're the darlings yeah, yeah, of uh, of New South Wales when it comes to the Battle of the Bridge. Yeah, I think it's... I followed the Broncos because I followed the Broncos too. It was like everyone follows the Broncos, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. I've been watching a bit of um, uh, Making Their Mark, which is the uh, Amazon Prime series, who are also sponsors of this show. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's really interesting because I, I would say that m- majority of AFL fans, especially those in Victoria or you know, WA, the further away from Queensland that they are, the less that they would know about the Suns. And there is this strange kind of um, – in the NRL – there is this kind of real parochialism around, you know, New South Wales teams and Queensland teams. And, you know, they, they seem to resist to the kind of broadening or the nationalization of the code. Whereas the AFL, you know, was much more embracing of, um, you know, the Sydney Swans and the West Coast Eagles and the Adelaide mm. Crows. Yet for some reason, the Gold Coast Suns seem to piss everyone off. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it's because I mean, the logo looks quite corporate. Like it looks like it was designed in a boardroom. It doesn't have that kind of, you know, grassroots footy club look to it. But also I think... club song shit too. Yeah, the club song shit. I don't even know the club (laughs) song. That's something I learned from the documentary. But it sort of felt like, you know, the impression from these outside people is that, well, this is just a a cynical move by the heads of the AFL to try and, you know, stake stake a claim in, in, in Queensland. But then when you watch this documentary and you see, you know, Stewie Jew behind the scenes and you see, you know, all the people who are putting so much time and effort into the club, you realize that it is just a footy club. Like it's not complicated in terms of, you know, the elements that you need to bring this, uh, you know, to bring a success to a, to a club. It's like you've got to have the right players, but you've got to have coaches who are passionate about it. I always talk about GWS. Um, you know, when uh, Alex Williams took me to a GWS game, I was expecting to see a bunch of people who didn't know anything about the game, just there to look at the bright lights and whatever. But I didn't see that. It was actually genuine, passionate supporters who sure. maybe they weren't brought up with the game, but they were really there to kind of, you know, soak it up and support their team. Would you say that Gold Coast has the same kind of supporter base? Um, it's difficult to say because I do live in Sydney, but the, the, the small amount of games that I've been to on the Gold Coast, uh, we were getting flogged. And right. so there was less supporting rather than um, booing and a bit of spitting <laughs> from what I saw. So I guess, yeah, it was quite passionate. Um, <laughs> maybe not in the right way. But the, And then the games that I've gone to, like the MCG, I mean, I, um, uh, I'm the only Gold Coast Sun supporter there. Yeah, it must so, be crazy. Uh, it's hard to sort of, 
uh, answer that because I haven't been around it and privy to the, the winning passion on on the Gold Coast that Metricon. Um, however, the online support that I see, yeah, it's super passionate, and I I think a lot of us are still trying to learn the game. I, I'm not going to sit here at all and say that I I know AFL. And I, I would say it's probably a generalization that there's a lot of Gold Coast fans as well that are, are probably thinking the same thing. Mm. So the passion is certainly not like, you know, at the cattery. But, yeah. But do you think um, if you could give me like a, I'm always fascinated by the culture of a club. What are you seeing in these online forums or, you know, interactions you're having with other Gold Coast supporters? Are they people who have switched from other teams? Are they people more like you who are kind of just getting on the ground floor? I don't have any friends that I know that supports the sum, so I don't really chat to any of them. <laughs> but, you know, I just see it on, like, Instagram or, or you know, on, on their website. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's supportive. It's pretty basic. It, it doesn't strike me as that passionate. I think when we start to clock some more wins on yeah. the board, it will it will become more passionate. I mean, it's so. But it's such a small supporter base that it's I can't, it's hard to answer that question. I'm not sure. But the culture, the culture for an AFL team on the Gold Coast is always going to suffer because it's heavily NRL dominated. Um, but I, I have hope. I just wonder if, like you know, it's you could really sort of ferment a us against them mentality. You know that people think. Like when you watch this this documentary, you know, Stewie Jew is very much about bringing it back to basics. Like you almost feel like you're watching a suburban yep. club. You know, he's really, yep. he's putting a lot of the responsibility and the onus back on the players to take ownership of, you know, what the club's reputation and how they're going to be perceived. And, you know, he's, I, there's a great line in it where he talks about, it's not really about, you know, wins and losses. We're not a wins and losses team. It's about the effort that you yeah. evidence. And even sure. if you do lose... And so I feel like, you know, there was this kind of shift with when the Suns came in and they had all those amazing, you know, like Gary Ablett Jr. and these mm. amazing draft picks. And it just felt like a foregone conclusion. Yeah, it felt like a foregone conclusion. You're going to make finals, yeah. you know, just give it a few years. Those players will take C, but then never really, really happened. So then I guess what you're seeing now with the club is almost like, this is the real beginning. Like what you had then was just how they had to kind of bust into the AFL, but this is now the foundation for your club. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they've worked really hard at doing that. And the conditioning was always a big thing for me because so many players were getting injured. Like Jaeger was getting injured. David Swallow was getting injured. Gary Ablett didn't for the first few years until his shoulder you know, yeah. injury. Um, but Presti was getting injured. Dixon was getting injured. Like all of our star elite players so then that takes a lot of time to, to come back and, and, and find your rhythm again. Um, but there is, a, there is a small repetition that I'm seeing here now with Raul going down. And we've just lost uh, uh, Buderick and uh, Day, I think it is. So <laughs> it's, it's sort of happening again. And the Raul, the Raul shoulder thing was a very similar thing to... I mean, Gary, wasn't it? And now he's, P now he's PCL. It's so tragic. It's devastating. I mean, we are, Will so and I, I... I just hope we don't slip, I don't hope we don't slip back into, you know, uh, when we first joined. I mean, I think there was enough signs last year. Like even, you know, you had those three wins in a row yeah. and then Raul went down and you were in a lot of games. Like I think 
there was a, five or six games where you lost by less than a kick or at least a couple of kicks, which is always a good sign because that means, you know, your yeah. club's up for the yeah. fight. They just maybe don't have the maturity or the bodies yet to kind of compete with the big boys. But Matt Rowe... In the game last... The game against West Coast, when Rowe went down, we still really fought hard and well right to the final siren, except yeah. they were just too good for us. But Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that the, the Matt Rowe the equation is just so tantalizing like will and i on on the yeah. regular two guys one cup we just love matt Rowe. like i know we've only seen yeah. a glimpse of him but like such a great start but he's such a fascinating kid like 18 yeah. years old and the way he talks and the way he carries himself uh, like he, he's like this 40 year old in an 18 year old's body and <laughs> like you just want to i just want to learn everything about him because you know, I, I, there's, there's these articles with him, you know, that he has 52 Sharons, you know, that he's collected over his time. I've seen that. <laughs> his yeah, yeah. junior footy days and, you know, his favourite yeah. meal is chorizo pasta and, you know, he's got all these weird superstitions. <laughs> but, I mean, I think he's just such a great, like, uh, it, it's, it's great because you've got this marketing angle where you've got this kid who's so interesting, you know, and seems to be so mm. humble. He's like an old-fashioned football, footballer, really, like a gentleman footballer. Um, who's yep. also like a complete gun. And I know when yep. he did his PCL, like ugh, everyone was just so devastated oh. because you just want to see more of him. Like you just want to see him out yeah. on the park and I want to see him in, in front of cameras. I'm just hoping that while we won't see him on the park, they just, the Gold Coast PR department, just have him doing heaps of interviews, just lots of photos of him sitting on his 52 balls. Yeah. What's his side side hustle? The um, The ball magnets or... You seen that? No, with him it... and Tom Mitchell and and Lockie Neal. It's like this um, exercise program they've started. Yeah. Really, he's got a he's side got business. See, the, he's, yeah, I forgot what it's called. He's just so endlessly Mag- fascinating. Like, it's just like for an eighteen-year-old. Yeah. If you ever hear him speak about the game, like there's there's a photo of him as a kid when he's ten years old. Uh, you know, standing next to Chris Judd getting his photo taken and he looks all right he looks younger as a 10 year old i mean he looks younger now than he did when he was 10 years old like he looks like this little old man when he's 10 years old that feeling that the feeling that i had when he went down with that pcl was a similar feeling gary ablett's my favorite player for obvious reasons Mm. um but it was the same sick feeling i had when in the grand final last year like in the first what three minutes when Gary Ablett went down and hit mm. his shoulder again? Yeah, oh, that was that was tragic. I mean, the, the the one hopeful thing you'd say about those two injuries, the shoulder and the PCL, is they're not um, like soft tissue, which can sort of be a hint to sort of yeah. chronic injury. They're more like just freak accidents, structural kind of things from from impact. But you just don't want him to be one of those players who keeps getting injured. Like he, there is just so much potential there, and you know he's he could be such a gold mine, no pun intended, for the Gold Coast. But that is the kind of player. I think since Gaz left, you've sort of lacked that marquee person that you can mm. not only lead on the field, but actually has marketing potential as well. If we could just mm. go back to mm. what you mentioned before about going to games, like going to the G as the mm. only Sun supporter. Can you take me through what that experience is like? How are you treated? How do people regard you as the lone Sun supporter at a game? Um, they're impressed, I think. If, <laughs> if think I'm lit. I remember one game, it would have been a few years ago when Ablett was still playing. Um, it was the Demons uh, versus the Suns, and I was literally, and we won. And I was the, I felt like I was the only one in the G going, yeah, and singing 
<laughs> singing our stupid song. Um, but everyone is, I always got the feeling that everyone wants the Suns to win and they want them to do well. It's that underdog mentality. So I'm treated quite well, actually. I think now they want, now come across that I'm quite ballsy to, to be there like a lone ranger, you know? Well, I think, I think there is like, I think as an entity, there are people who were kind of cynical about the Suns, but because that, like I said, that first era of getting all the gun players and the draft picks, because that has passed and now you are sort of doing what a legitimate football club does, which is sort of just go back to the draft and build things from the ground up. I think there is a fair yeah. bit of respect. Like it's such an interesting case study to put GWS alongside the Gold Coast. And, you know, mm. I've heard Tony Cochran, um, you know, your president talk about the GWS benefited mostly from having Gold Coast make all the mistakes, you know, that they... Yeah that they could have made. So you made all the mistakes which gave GWS a guide on how to put their club together. Um, but culturally, it feels like GWS took all those gun players, all those junior champions and created this mentality of excellence, you know? What do you think happened at the Suns that it didn't gel in those first few years? Well, I, I truly think injuries play a massive toll like on confidence and, and, and gameplay. And I mean, from my memory, GWS didn't really get that many injuries, mm. certainly not to their star players like Caniglio, sort of getting injured a bit more now. But it seemed like a, a difference in conditioning. I mean, I'm not on the inside, but on the outside, I remember there was one time where like it was like a whole team of players had essentially been injured for the Suns early on, like after Ablett went down, year after year after year. And then well, we got like Malcheski one year and yeah. it had like, three knee reconstructions already and mm. then his his knee popped again obviously <laughs> um i mean that's just to me a conditioning thing and and i don't know i think also the climate living on the gold coast obviously would be different to living in sydney so the passion that we were talking about before would be quite evidently different um I and i mean yeah <laughs> harley benner was snorting lines out on the <laughs> out in surface paradise carmichael hunt was caught with bags in his pocket i mean you know not a great culture i mean it's interesting not a great culture. what what did you feel about the carmichael hunt like um obviously that was the gold coast version of israel Flau going to the giants i mean do you hmm. did you see it as having more potential than just being a publicity stunt to get you know uh league fans over to the afl yeah i loved it i thought he did quite well actually for his for his role, he just smashed people. But he kicked, he kicked the uh, winning goal for our first win, I think, against yeah, Richmond. Against didn't Richmond, he? one of the all-time greatest kicks after the sirens that you'll ever see. Yeah. I mean, if anything, that should have been the start of your club. Like that's the kind of moment that, don't you reckon? <laughs> yeah. That that could really yeah, yeah, sort of sure. launch the launch launch a club. But yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you know he had some background in AFL, I believe, like as a junior had at least played. So he wasn't as far back as Israel Flower when it came to sort of picking, oh, up, I didn't know that. picking okay. up the game. Yeah. But then when you find out after the fact, like, you know, the, the footy trips and stuff afterwards, you're like, oh, well, maybe he was just there for a payday. <laughs> like it feels like, you know, someone gives you <laughs> yeah, that much maybe. money for three years. What's the, uh, what's the general consensus on Carmichael Hunt? joining like in the in the wider AFL community i think everyone i think everyone saw it as a publicity stunt um you know yeah. much like the israel flower thing but it depends where you come from like i am 
I, I want AFL to expand. I, I love AFL and I, I think it's great. You know, I want Tasmania to have a team. I want them to play it. You know, I want Northern Territory to have a team. I want it to be mm. played all over Australia. But there are some people who are purists in inverted commas who think that, you know, the game should go back, never change the rules. You know, they should stop expanding teams. They should stop relocating teams. And I just think that that's just not the reality of, you know, this is like a multi-million dollar uh, industry, you know, and they have to, if you're going to compete against soccer, against the NRL, against union, you know, you have to do things like that, especially if you're going into the heartland. So I think there's a lot of people, if, look, if he had not had the end to his time at the Suns that he did, I reckon a lot of people would have, it would have been given a pass mark because he played what, 30 odd, 30 odd, 30 odd games, had one amazing moment with the kick after the sign. So I think it would have been serviceable, but because of the calamitous... He had some big, had some big hits. Yeah, totally. Well, his body type changed entirely as well. That's the thing that I've, I feel is so underrated about what Carmichael Hunt did. Like, leave aside the off-field stuff. Is he completely changed his physique and the kind of athlete yeah, he, he became. Like, you know, AFL players have to go from being collision athletes to being something more along the lines of boxers, you know, where they've got to have that combination of speed and power and endurance. And for some guy to do that, it's kind of like the AFLW. Like I'm always like, I'd scratch my head when I hear, you know, mainly men criticizing the AFLW. And it's like, most of these women play professional sport in a completely different code at the highest level and then come play AFL at the highest level. And you're going to criticize them, you know, for, uh, uh, for an organization that's only been around for four years. It doesn't make any sense. Like you try and play two sports at an amateur level, let alone like the highest level possible. Mm. What's, what's some of the criticism? Well, just like, you know, there's people who, again, it's this sort of footy purist thing that feel like, you know, footy should yeah. only be like for men or or it should only be, you know, a limited number of teams and they should stop giving all these handouts to interstate teams. But I don't think that's the majority. I think that's just kind of like an old school mentality that is that is dying out. It's called progress. You know, it's how we evolve. It's, 100%. It's in every, every asset of life, yeah. Um, and so you said that Gaz was your favorite player. Is he your favorite player of all time? I mean, I know it's a short history. Yeah, uh, it is a short history. So yeah, <laughs> I'd have to say he is. Maybe now Matty Rowell, if he ever gets back on the field. But yeah, he is. I mean, I've, I've tried to look back on the history. Um, I mean, yeah. Who's your favorite player? Uh, for the, Well, I'm a Saints supporter. So I'd say my, ah. so I'd say my favorite player of all time at the Saints is probably well it'd be either Rob Harvey or Nick Revolt for two different reasons. I'm, I when I was twelve years old, I uh, after a game at Moorabbin, I won Rob Harvey's jumper in a in a footy club raffle, and so got to meet him and got the autographed jumper. And then uh, when he played his three hundred and fiftieth game, like twenty five years, <laughs> twenty years later, I um. I went up to him at his testimonial dinner and uh, congratulated him on his 350 and said, now, Rob, back in 1991, uh, when I was 12 years old, uh, I, won your, I won your jumper in a, in a raffle. And he's like, oh, that's really cool. And then I said, I've still got it, Rob. And I could just see his eyes wide and he sort of backed away from me, thought I was some weird kind of Stan type fan. But then Nick Revolt, just for what he did for that club. I mean, I don't know if you know much about the Saints history, but we are the most unsuccessful club in the history of the AFL. Been around for 135 years, won one flag, won 27 wooden spoons, which is a record. Um, 
so I, much like you, don't have a lot of reason to follow football, yet I've been doing it for something like 35 years of my life. Oh, good. Um, yeah. But I, I, I understand the idea. There, was, there, there have been times where I've thought, well, maybe I'll just jump ship like to another club. Maybe I'll, I'll pick a club that's more successful, that'll, that'll bring me some kind of joy. Have you felt like that in the last 10 years? Have you felt like, geez, maybe this was a mistake. Maybe I should be going for the Swans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I have. I have, certainly. I was like, God, why don't I go for the Lions? Yeah, yeah I've certainly thought about it, but I, I just can't. I couldn't do that to myself. I mean, I code hopped, you know, so that's that's good enough. I was following the Broncos and they're fucking woeful now. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So you got no joy. Change sports, change sports entirely. <laughs> but it is it, um, it's it's an interesting yeah. question around like fandom, isn't it? Because you know, as my wife points out to me constantly, because she's um she grew up in Scotland and they're not really into sport at all. It was all Rangers and Celtics, and so she came out here. And when I sort of you know introduced her to my passion for AFL and passion for the Saints, she just she kind of was just like, I don't understand why this arbitrary choice makes you so miserable you know like a you don't have any involvement in the wins and losses and also you can stop at any time you can just stop following him you can like delete the app from your phone just not watch the games and it's a strange thing isn't it like i've been trying to work out over the course of this series as i chat to different people about their clubs is what is it that brings you back especially you you know that's my opening question of why like what what's in it for you that's, that's a really good question. I think uh, I really enjoy the pace of the game now and also the length of the length of the game. It's really, really an event. Mm. I love also the club song and the history that I'm really learning about. I, I find that quite addictive. Um, also, uh, I mean, as I sort of said before, like a lot of my friends watch it, so it's a good reason to hang out with your buddies and have a beer and, mm. <laughs> and yell at the TV screen. Um, or, or players. Um, so I think, yeah, they'd, they'd be the ones, I reckon. Yeah. Sure. I mean, there's a lot of my friends where we would not actually talk ever <laughs> if it wasn't for the AFL. Like, that's 100% yeah. what our relationship is built around. Uh, it's also fantasy too for me, um, and that's a very social social thing as well, yeah. The fantasy football. AFL fantasy, yeah. Yeah, can now... Do you look, no, this is the thing. So we have a lot of listeners to this show who often ask us if we could start up like a, a fantasy football league or whatever. Can you... I don't understand how it works. Can you just sort of give me like the, 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 the thumbnail sketch of what fantasy football is? You get a salary cap. Um, I, I forgot what exactly it is um, at the beginning. And then you essentially buy players... You field a whole team, and then you get two reserves in each line. So you've got defense, mids, forwards, and rucks. Um, and then essentially uh, they accumulate points from handballs, tackles, uh, kicks, goals. Um, what else do they get? I think that's it off the top of my head. Surely there's something else. Um, whereas super coach, you, you accumulate points for sort of like uh, – like meters gained and, and more about how you actually play the game rather than this is just more like stats on right. passing or kicking. And then essentially each player will accumulate a set of points, which will then give your whole team a set of points. And then each week you verse another person who's done the same thing. 
um, in a league that you've built. So we've got this league called the Footy Cup, which has been going on now for <laughs> maybe eight years. Right. And we've got this pewter tankard that we got from France and then got sent like all around the world to get to us. <laughs> um, we all chipped in to buy it and we, we engrave uh, the winner's name on the cup each year and um, they then get to have the cup. And they're the only ones that can drink from it for that year. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's it. Yeah, quite fun, quite fun. So that's so it's a stats-based game. So you're picking players based on not necessarily the best players, but the players who do best in a certain area, right? Yeah, you essentially want you essentially want midfielders, so ones that have um, that are in the centre, essentially that follow the ball. So CBA is really important. So what does CBA um, mean? Sorry? What does CBA stand for? Like center ball attendance. I think it stands for that. Right. Center ball. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Yeah? yeah. All right. I think it's that. Um, uh, and you want someone who tackles a lot. You sort of essentially want someone who kicks goals because there are a lot of points. But you essentially want midfield time. So like Callum Mills, for instance, is he's generally a defender, but he's in the mids now for the Swans. Um, yeah. Like Matty Rowell was great. Who else? Dusty Martin. Dusty Martin, I imagine, would be yeah, awesome. I mean, I think yeah. the thing, the, the problem for me with that kind of game is that I'm so one-eyed. Like, I don't think I pay attention to <laughs> enough players from other teams. I have like a general idea of other players, but I'd be stacking my team with Saints players because they're the only ones I really pay any attention to. You'd lose. <laughs> you can't. You can't do that. <laughs> Who's a Saint player? That's good. There's not many. There's some good. So you've got to find rookies as well. Right. So Highmore from the Saints at the moment. He's in my team. Yeah. Yeah. Is that because it's a balance of he's cheap to get in, but his stats right have a high payoff. Yeah. And then you want him. He'll increase in price. So that's how you make money. And then you sell him off when he's sort of his um his price is inflated. Mm. And you you sort of drop down to a rookie. You make money, and then you upgrade someone else to a better player. It's like, you know, McRae from the Bulldogs killing it at the moment. Zach Merritt from Essendon. It's actually a good uh, way f for a guy who is not, uh, you know, who mm. didn't grow up with AFL to learn about the sport. Like it's actually sort of bringing yeah. you in because you're paying attention to all the, I mean, you probably know more about that stuff than I do really. Cause I'm like, so I, I don't know anything about the CBA, but now I, I guess it would make sense. It's like, okay, so who's getting to the most ball ups? Um, but yeah. it sounds very like the Brownlow, very midfield biased. So is there yeah. something to do like with defensive acts, like spoils and that kind of thing? Pressure points? No, uh, no, I think that's more super coach. So like okay. how the game, how you play the game rather than sort of how many times you're touching the ball. I, I'm not sure about super coach so much, but I know that players sort of differ in that, in that sense. Your rucks are always good too, but they're, you know, they're in the centre as well, hitting the ball. Yeah. Like your Max Gorn, your Brody Grundy. So uh, to go back to when you decided to go for the Suns, how long was it before you were actually able to attend a game in person? Huh. Um, look, I think... Oh, when was it? I think the first one I attended would have been the MCG, I think. Right. I think, and so, so it would have been maybe, maybe a year. I, I, it was just when I was in Melbourne for work. It mm. wasn't too far from the beginning, but it was far enough. I think it was against Carlton and we got absolutely spanked. 
<laughs> that was my first game, and I sat right up under the roof. Yeah, that, uh, was it Eddie had at the time, and I had I had my son's curtains on actually, but it was quite cold, so I had a jacket. And as soon as I could see, we were getting spanked in the first quarter. I put put it on, zipped it up. <laughs> I think I left by third. I think I left by third quarter as well. So, but I, the, my first good memory was I was a trial match against the Lions, and I uh, went to Metricon for the first time mm. and sat next to Charlie Dixon actually. Yeah, right. In our place for Port, Port Adelaide. So it was. So I got a bit of insight into what players don't like each other and. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was interesting, actually, before you were sort of naming all the players that had got injured, you know, that you felt like derailed the initial push for the Suns. And most of those mm. players now all play for other clubs like Jaeger, Dixon, Prestia, all those kind of guys. Was Did you have any kind of resentment towards that, to the fact that other clubs were sort of using the Suns basically as like a, a feeder organization? Not really. I sort of always knew it was going to happen. Um, and, yeah, it was... Uh, no, and the culture wasn't helping it, like we sort of spoke about. Mm. The conditioning certainly wasn't. Like, those players aren't getting injured that much, or Jaeger did, I think. Mm. Yeah. But, um, no, no, it's always going to happen. But I think, hopefully, now, sort of, we've started again, fresh with Stewie Jew. Yeah. I think he's quite excellent. We won't lose them. Yeah. I mean, what do you think on that? Do you think we might lose them? Uh, look, again, to I keep referencing Making Their Mark. It's such a fascinating documentary, but I... I think a lot of footy clubs are really built around buy-in from players. And to get a player, to get your team to buy in, you've got to have a pretty charismatic, likable coach. And of all the coaches that they focus on in this series, Struiju comes off the best. He is just so goddamn likable. And his philosophy is very straightforward, very simple. Like he just feels like, if you grew up around footy clubs, doesn't matter what code it was, you know this guy. Like he, he just feels like one of those guys that you would always see at training, you know, bringing the balls out in the bag or, you know, he putting the pies in the pie warmer on Wednesday night or whatever it is. <laughs> like he's just got this fantastic balance of making it seem really simple and fun, but also mentoring these young men. Like he seems to be acutely hmm. aware of the fact that he has all these guns, you know, they've topped up with high draft picks again and They've brought in a couple of like really good experienced players like Ellis and Greenwood or whatever the guy's name is mm. from Adelaide. Um, yeah. But he, seem, he seems to have like a really good understanding of, okay, if we can just keep this group together, I think there's something pretty special. And the fact that you got Raul and Anderson and King to re-sign really early is a really good sign. And I think you guys have shown enough. Like it's kind of like what happened with the Giants. Like, you know, they were getting rated every year by other teams, like, you know, players are getting poached and stuff. But there was enough core group who kind of, they stick together. And I've seen it happen with other clubs, especially like premiership winning teams, like Geelong have done at Hawthorne, where the players kind of make like an unofficial pact that they're going to stick together in order to get a premiership. And maybe that means, you know, they're not getting the highest pay packet. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's more holistic than just wins and losses and, and, and paydays and playing in front of big crowds. Like you, everyone wants to belong. I think everyone wants to feel like they're part of something and it's just how well the coach can sell that message. And I think Street Jew is selling the message to the guys. It's not necessarily a kind of anti, you know, um, anti-authority, fuck you, you know, we're the small fish. It's actually a different um, approach. It's much more of a footy is fun. 
you know, you guys, uh, uh, you guys have got the talent, you know, you're, you're clearly good because you're high draft picks. You just need to condition yourselves and get your bodies right and don't focus on wins or losses. So I think the Suns have a really bright future. It just depends. I mean, COVID is such a, uh, mm. you know, spanner in the works. Like, you know, last year, if anything, it should have worked in the Suns' favour because of all the games being played in Queensland. But now they're talking about relocating the Suns to Adelaide. So who knows? Like it just because of the late the la- the latest COVID yeah, spike yeah because so, yeah, oh, of what's happening in shit. Brisbane so they're talking about getting I think they actually got this so they got Brisbane Brisbane are already in Melbourne so they kept them in Melbourne and relocated the game that was meant to happen uh, on Thursday night against the Pies and the Suns they were talking about maybe they've even done it moving them to Adelaide and putting them away uh, from Queensland and and then rejigging their schedule so. It just depends. Like, they're a very young side. I just hope that the board doesn't jump its shadows because I guess one of the things, one of the benefits of having, like, a small kind of supporter base is you're not going to get people burning their memberships on your doorstep or, like, you know, like, Stu, you can be left alone to kind of get things done for a while. I think if, you know, maybe not this year, but in the next couple of years, I, I, I reckon they would be making finals and... It's just the RAL equation. Like, I, you know, I feel bad putting so much, uh, you know, such responsibility on an 18-year-old or 19-year-old. But, you know, he could be anything. And, you know, if you look at Richmond, oh, and like Richmond are a, are a great team, but but Dusty Martin is just a once-in-a-generation player. Like, I, th- I think it'd be impossible to be a bad team if you had Dustin Martin playing for you. Mm, that's very true. Just on that... Uh, um Round thing. I mean, since Rao's been injured, Anderson gets to step up now. We get to see what he's made of. 30, I think he's 36, super underrated at the moment. Didn't he have like 36 touches last week or against North Melbourne? Matched it. Yeah. No. I mean, against North Melbourne, but... <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. But it's interesting yeah. too, like even that philosophy behind why they drafted Rao and Anderson, you know, this idea that yeah. they're best mates, they love playing footy yeah. together. Like I think that... You know, we sort of were feeling around for what is the culture of the Suns and you're saying, well, you know, it's a bit hard to sort of pin it down because it's been such a radical change from the first, you know, five or six years. But maybe that's what Stewie Jew is trying to build. Like maybe that will be the culture of the Suns, which is, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's almost the opposite to the reputation of the Gold Coast. Like if they make it like a very, like the family club, real kind of like, you know, supportive, yeah. kind of just back to basics, not flashy at all. Like, it's, I think that'd be a really interesting dichotomy to have that be the culture of the yeah. Gold Coast. Yeah, that's very true. Certainly what a Gold Coast team needs as well. I think that's what's lacked in any other code that a Gold Coast team has been in. Yeah. Sure. Well, Tony Cochran um, uh, is such an interesting character too because he did this interview last year that I just was obsessed with where he went on like the front foot. He was... He, he just was like taking no shit from anyone, like was not taking any shit from the journalist, any suggestion that, you know, a team doesn't belong on the Gold Coast. And he kept referring to Melbourne as Melboring, <laughs> like a 12-year-old. But I think he's, I think that's brilliant. Like, I think you need passion like that. And he is someone who kind of, he obviously, uh, he's eccentric, but I think that you need a guy like that to make the big choices. I think, where the Suns maybe lost their way a bit was, you know, Bluey McKenna didn't really work out. So they got a bit scared. for the, So they went for Rodney Ede, who was just a bit too old. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think he went backwards there. He, the game had passed him by. Why did they get rid of Guy McKenna? Impatient, I think. 
Um, yeah. You know, they, they probably expected to be playing finals earlier. And I think probably back then the AFL would probably had more of a say in what was going on at the Suns. Um, uh, sure. Yeah, when they're setting right. them up. Now they're probably left to their own devices a bit more. But I think... Because I actually th- thought he was building that cu- culture that Stewie Jew now is. And then it's, once we got rid of him, Ablett went down. The team went down. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Like, it could be that. It could have been the board lost patience with him. He could have been difficult to work with. The thing that is undeniable about Stewie Jew is that everyone there seems to love him and seems mm. to have time for him. So look, you just need some luck as well. I think that, you know, if you guys could win between eight to 10 games this year, I reckon he'd be safe. But if they have mm. a year where they don't win more than say five games, then maybe, you know, it's just unsustainable. I mean, I don't even know who your board is. I don't know who he's answering to. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a strange kind of, I don't even know how many members they have at the Suns. Do you? No, I don't. Would you? I just know Mick Fanning's one of them, I think, isn't he? <laughs> Mick Fanning? Why have I got you on this show? I could have had bloody Mick Fanning. <laughs> I don't know. Oh my God. <laughs> no, I'm very glad <laughs> to have you. <laughs> Not too late to uh, can it. Get him on. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think he was like the uh, number one ticket holder. Really? I do remember <laughs> watching one uh, broadcast of the game. And they cut to the stands and there was Dolph Lundgren. He was sitting up there eating an ice cream. And I was like, this feels very Gold Coast. Like not Gold Coast Sun, <laughs> but very Gold Coast that you got Dolph Lundgren up in the stands watching the Suns. Yeah. I mean, it does feel like, you know. It hey, was... my, sorry, mate. Is my audio, is my audio okay? Yeah. Is it a bit choppy? No, no. It's sorry. coming through. No, it's fine. Um, I think a bit more of that kind of stuff is is not a, is not bad for um the Suns, like, you know, a bit more Dolph Lundgren kind of action because you need sort of something to kind of uh, distinguish, like to get people uh, to be aware, like outside of, you know, there's that Victorian bubble where, you know, outside of maybe a Sydney or a West Coast, you know, even not even Port Adelaide who finished on top of the ladder last year get much press in Melbourne. So for the Suns, it was all about Matt Rowell, but now that he's not playing, there needs to be another angle. It'd be great if it is Noah Anderson. I mean, you know, like every Michael Jordan needs a Scotty Pippen, right? You got you got Isaac uh, Rankin too. He's oh. playing pretty amazingly well. Isaac Rankin, the most exciting first three games of any player <laughs> I can remember. Just such a phenomenal uh, uh, player, but also like carries himself like a rock star. Like there is that mm. thing about him where he... When I remember when you used to play junior footy, there was always that dude who maybe only got four touches for a game, but would kick one from the boundary line. <laughs> that's all you would need from him. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and I think that's Isaac Rankin. <laughs> and it's also a good sign too that uh, Ben King decided to stay as well because I know the Saints were pushing real hard to get him back with his brother. Uh, they both grew up. Oh yeah, sure. They both grew up barracking for the Saints, and you know that was in a period when it felt like the Suns were losing everyone, and then the Saints came along, after, you know, after his first year, and were you know inquiring about getting him back. But then he signs that long-term deal. I mean, I imagine the Suns had quite a bit of money in the salary cap to give him, but I do think that you know for the next three years you've got the spine of a really really good side, but it's just can you keep him healthy? been the ongoing thing for since we started 
and also just not like we got remember we got Barlow, we got Michael Barlow. Oh, I mean, that's right, yeah. I, I, I still don't understand why, but we got Barlow and Marcheski. Yeah, just bizarre, expensive picks. I thought, which I think it's I think it's well. about putting experienced, mature bodies around your developing players. I mean, that's the, that's philosophy. I, I think what you've done with- But Brent, not injury prone. Yeah, that's true. A guy with a broken leg is not really going to, he's not really going to find his best form in his second club. Um, but he's actually really interesting. I've heard him talk about the Suns quite a bit, Barlow, and he, like he's a, because he, he's gone into commentary now and he's really complimentary about that club. I didn't realize you guys didn't even have proper training facilities for the first- Five years. It was like uh, demountables. Wow, I didn't know that. Wow. Like, yeah. that? Well, that would explain the injuries, <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, wow. I, I like yeah. to. I like to ask people on this show about their happiest memory to do with their club. Is there one particular game or moment that stands out in your mind as your best memory to do with the Suns? Uh, yeah, it was. It was when we first our first win when Carmichael Hunt kicked that winning goal. Yeah. Um, and I got to sing the song for the first time. Oh, my God. <laughs> that, that, that to me, I was with my brother as well. He doesn't really support AFL, but yeah. um, that for me also, Carmichael Hunt being from the Broncos as well, this is sort of a, a dream moment. It really was. Dream moment for me. I mean, it seems crazy that like they didn't go on from there. Like it, it's just, it, it seems like such a fairy tale moment you think it would just inspire them to greater heights but then i guess injuries and we beat it was richmond who we beat as well and i think we did it like three three games in a row we beat richmond yeah look but that's not the richmond of of today that was back when richmond no. were <laughs> notorious for <laughs> losing games in I'll the, most, still take it though. the bizarre circumstances now this might be a difficult question to answer um but do you have a lowest point is there a moment where you were like oh geez what am i even doing uh yeah probably like uh majority of the years following them <laughs> being, really <laughs> being on the bottom of the ladder um look i think the biggest one uh was yeah when Ablett went down mm. and then he went down again and we just couldn't and and the realization that we were a one-man team as well the mm. first time he went down um that was a pretty gutting feeling. Was there any resentment from you that he went back to the Cats? Did you think he was going to be a son for life? No, no, I always knew he would, especially when there was no sort of light at the end of the tunnel for winning another premiership. Mm. Um, I, I thought it was a wise choice. From him. And also, yeah, he, he didn't have to carry a club. He could sort of sit forward a bit more and sort of chill out. Yeah. And you think a guy like that too is also like he's obviously driven by success. You know, I think that, you know, it's the same reason that Cats fans weren't particularly upset when he left to go to the Suns in the first place because he'd won two flags with the Cats and you felt like he'd given his all. I don't think anyone can say that Gary Ablett didn't give his all to the Suns. I mean, he won a Brownlow while he was playing for the Suns, which is extraordinary. He probably would have won two if he didn't get injured. I think he was on top of the votes. Yeah. Until he uh, went down. Yeah. And to carry a team to do it essentially all by yourself, really. Like mm. it, 
Well, that was it's quite quite remarkable. <clears throat> Excuse me. That was the Saints in the eighties. So Tony Lockett, before he played for the Swans, was a Saint, oh. and he won a Brownlow yeah. playing for the Saints. He kicked a hundred goals like three times playing for the Saints. And my memory growing up uh, is would be very similar to, to, to what it was like for you. Is you just go to the game to see Tony Lockett play. Like we had other good players, mm. but it was the mm. plugger show. And you think that when that guy leaves, because he eventually went to the Swans, that well, what's a club going to do? <laughs> He's the best player we've got. But it's actually a great thing for a club to happen because you realise it is a team sport and the best teams, like Richmond, do have Dusty, but ultimately they have buy-in from every other player on the ground. Yeah. And I think that that's maybe what you're going to get with the Suns in a post-Adlet era. I mean, maybe is you want Matt Rowell to be what we all hope he's going to be. But what is more important is that those players around him sort of also elevate as well. Yeah. It's good to have that clutch player that in a, in a you know, a desperate moment, like a buddy or a dusty. Yeah. will um, will uh, we'll, we'll turn it around like dusty did in the grand final last year, you know, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. You, you need your Pippins to, yeah. To support your Jordans. Well, those two, like Anderson and Raul together, like who knows what they could be. Just like draft pick one and two, best mates. If you just, yeah. just get Raul, just get him back on the ground. Just We just wanted to get him healed up and back on the ground. When's he due back? It's like 12 weeks, I think, right? Yeah, that's ACL? right. Three months, yeah. That's what they're saying. <sighs> it's just so disappointing for the guy because like, he obviously lives and breathes football and – uh, uh, I mean, it was interesting. You can I, see him taking notes, taking notes as well in his little notebook. Just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's such a, he's such a footy nerd. Um, in the making their mark, there's this great, uh, uh, sequence where to keep him occupied and keep his spirits up while he's recuperating from his shoulder, the fitness and conditioning coach sets him this challenge, um, to ride up Everest. So they have these like stationary bikes, but with this like computer oh, yeah. screen, you can program in the incline of Everest. And so it's yeah. like a 16 hour ride. Stewie Jew starts like four hours before them. And that's the most amazing part is like, you know, you can sort of imagine Matt Rowell and a, like a fitness and conditioning coach doing it okay, but to see Stewie Jew. Stewie Jew's doing it? Yeah, he, and he completes it. Like it takes him probably a few hours more than those guys, but he is on that bike. He starts at like 2 a.m. on a Tuesday and doesn't finish till like, you know, 1 a.m. on a, on a, on a Thursday. Like it takes him, it, it's crazy. But Matt Rowell gets on and just smashes it. Like it's unbelievable how, um, you know, uh, like it's almost like Terminator-like. He just gets on the bike, picks his target, and then rides, rides up Everest in 16 hours and just like smashes a record. It's just, it's, in, it's incredible to watch. And again, it's like, wow. who is this kid? Why can't we see him on the field? It just seems like such a tease that, you know, we all know he could be so great, but he just gets these two goddamn injuries. We just want to see him on the park. Is this on uh, Netflix? It's on Amazon Prime. I highly, highly recommend as a Sun supporter. I didn't know anything about the Suns prior to watching this. And I, I, like I said, Stewie Jew is now like my favorite coach in the AFL. I just think he's so great. Is there footage of him yelling at them in the yes. change room? Yes. Okay. <laughs> there is one moment where he yells at them. I can't remember what he's yelling at, but he's like, why is everyone acting so fucking surprised? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I saw that pop up somewhere. Oh, yeah, I yeah. tried to find it. Oh, yeah, I'll check it out. Excellent. Uh, my last question, uh, Josh, is generally um, 
about if your team was to fold. So if the Suns, like so many other Gold Coast <laughs> teams, were to fold, mm-hmm. do you think that you would find another team to follow? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd pick maybe the Lions, but I'd probably, just so I can go to more games and I live in Sydney, I'd probably have to pick the Swans. Uh, it irks me to say that, but... Not tempted yeah. to go to GWS? Uh, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to think about it. I'm, well, it's interesting because you both you said the two options you've given yourself are the Swans and Brisbane, but you look physically in pain by both those choices. <laughs> like, they don't seem to be very appealing. The Giants uh, doesn't really appeal to me either. It's a, yeah, it's a good one. I just got I've got friends who go for the Giants. I like to find a team that I just support, so I can really give it to people if yeah, and when they win. Um, I guess everyone, as I said, follows the Swans. But yeah, maybe the Lions. But I wouldn't go to enough games. I don't know. I don't like this question. Uh, yeah, not many people do. <laughs> it's actually interesting that the answers. I, it's people sort of range between having like easily jumping across to another side to walking away from footy altogether. I mean, it's something that I wrestle with because the Saints have come very close many times to to folding, and I don't know. I think I think I would probably walk away from football for a bit i'd be heartbroken i think you know the fact of just seeing like when fitzroy before they merged uh to become Mm. the lions you know i had a few friends Mm. who were fitzroy supporters and it was devastating to them you know it's kind of the stuff i try and explain to to my wife about what being a footy fan's all about it's not just about wins and losses it's about you know, the history you have and, you know, going to the games with your family and hanging out with your friends. And there's so much tied into it that is part of your identity to just to, to, to see a club just fold or to see the AFL let a club fold or just make an arbitrary decision to relocate your club because it's more financially viable. I can understand how that would take your heart out of the game or make you reconsider, you know, why you, you follow football in the first place. Yeah, I can really see it, actually, how it, <laughs> how it would me. affect you. Yeah. But having said that, I might also just jump on the back of Richmond and, and, and actually enjoy a premiership for, <laughs> for once in my life because I've been to four grand finals for not one victory, Josh. I tell you what, it sucks. It sucks. I'm but, sorry to hear that, mate. But I'm sorry very I'm very hopeful about the Suns. Uh, like I said, I think Stuart Dew's a great coach and we just all want to see Matt Rowell on the field. So um, do you have any predictions before we go for season 2021? We're, we're away. You're one and one. What do you think is the the end of the year look like for the Suns? COVID hits again and the game gets shut down. No, I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I predict or I hope, oh, you know, always a top eight finish. Um, even if we finish ninth, I, I think we have. Yeah, you gotta you gotta go for gold. Uh, hopefully eighth. That'd be great. I just don't, I can't see it happening. I think, I think we missed the finals, but we certainly improved on last year. Okay. Well, let's be difficult without Ralph. I'll make it easier for you. What is a pass mark in your opinion for this year? Yeah. Without Ralph now, I reckon, I reckon ninth, like just, just missing the finals, but, but having a hope like we can do it, I think is, is a massive improvement on where we've been, which will go take us into 2022. Um, with a lot more confidence. And then 
and and then in 2023 at the MCG and the last day in September, we all hear that <laughs> famous club song which goes, how's it going? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> we are the sons of the Gold Coast. Oh, my God. My <laughs> Josh, uh, thanks so much for your time and good luck to the sons. No worries, buddy. We are two guys, one car.